This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 4. That's a stack of prayer requests right there, boy. That's a mercy sakes. The harvest is among us. Amen. Luke chapter 4. I'm reminded here, one more prayer request. Uh, spoke with one of our, our missionaries yesterday and told him that I would pray for them. Uh, Galen Hurtwick and Dickie Hurtwick in the Philippines, ministering to pastors there, and so I told them that we would pray for them. They said that they would be praying for us this morning, so would you bow your head one more time. Father, we lift up Galen and Dickey and ask, Lord, that you would be with them and that you would guide their, their steps, give them encounters, Lord God, back them up, Lord, when they step out in faith. Let the gifts of the Spirit be used through them, Father God. Would you do the miraculous, Lord God, and shut the mouth of the devil in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Long before Jesus was teaching the temple precincts, or wowing the Pharisees with his verily verilies, or he was astounding his bystanders with the authority that he spoke, before he was amazing his followers with wisdom that could only come from God, before all that, Jesus was in the wilderness. His ministry was conceived in the wilderness. His call was nurtured in the wilderness. His character was forged in the wilderness. Who Jesus was when he was in the village streets was formed in the rough patches of the wilderness. Now this is a message about Jesus, but it's also about us because God at times will allow us time in the wilderness to have our character developed as well. So when we look at uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, we come to see this, this time. We're going to just take a small portion of this scripture, but I'll read the whole passage. And see Jesus at work in the wilderness. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all the, their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. 
Our lesson comes this morning in the very first of these temptations. But before we talk about that, let's talk about what it takes to be tempted. Sometimes we think we're, we're in the wrong place at the wrong time when temptation comes. And, and certainly, if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time, you can be tempted in those places, right? Uh, say amen if that's ever been you. You suddenly found yourself, you're like, oh, this is not where I'm supposed to be, but you were there, and then the enemy used that as to tempt you. But clearly, from the very, very first uh, scripture there, it says, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and was led by the Spirit, uh, by the Spirit into the desert where he was tempted. So Jesus, if we go back to the, begin, the middle of chapter 3, we find that Jesus had just heard God's voice speak directly to him as the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove was landing upon him. And the Spirit of God spoke from, from the heavens to Jesus and said, what? You are my son. I love you. In you, I am well pleased, right? And then we see the genealogy. We won't read through all those names. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say praise the Lord. And then after that, it says, Jesus, now full of the Holy Spirit. In other words, what Jesus had at that baptismal experience was an infilling of the Holy Spirit that came over him that empowered him so that he could go into the desert. He wasn't going into the desert to be tempted because he was weak. He went into the, in the desert to be tempted out of a position of strength. And the devil comes to him and says, if you are the Son of God, what was the last thing that Jesus just heard the Father say to him? You are my beloved son. We sometimes read that. In the Greek, it can read, if you are the son of God, or it can read, since you are the son of God. In other words, if that's who you are, then demonstrate this. And so uh, it may be that Jesus was not, being, uh, was not being tempted to doubt who he was, but rather because who he was, he was, stepping, he was being challenged to step out and become uh, and, and to demonstrate his sonship in, of God. So, <clears throat> so we, we see here that Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit, goes out in, into the, uh, the desert. We also see that it's God's will that he be there and that God is going to use this time. We, we sometimes think that the temptation is all about the temptation, right? And the temptation is all about the temptation if you're being swallowed up by the temptation, right? So like if you, are, uh, uh, if you are tempted to eat sweets, but you're on a diet, and you walk into the kitchen, and there it is, a beautiful German chocolate cake sitting right there. I just had a German chocolate cake, so I, I'll talk about that. Uh, anyway, ger beautiful German chocolate cake sitting right there, and it's, it's just calling your name, right? And it, it, that, that German chocolate cake is just calling your name, just saying, come, enjoy the flavor of... Whatever German chocolate cake says. I don't know what it says. And so it's calling, you, calling out to you, and as it's, as it's wooing you to itself, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is strong enough to tell you to resist that and for you to walk away, right? Everybody say amen. amen. Even if you don't believe it, say amen. You can, you can say no to chocolate cake. You can say no. You can walk away from that chocolate cake. And we think that that, that temptation was about the temptation. But in reality, the temptation is about much deeper than that. It is about something that happens deep on the inside. Jesus is getting something out of the temptation process even though he doesn't fail. Jesus is developing in the temptation process even though he doesn't fail 
in the temptation. We just think that just getting victory over chocolate cake is something to celebrate, right? We just think, I think there's moments of celebration in life. That I went down the farm last week, and I, I uh, went to start my truck. Truck wouldn't start, open up the hood, put the battery charger on it, waited a few hours, you know, went back there to start the truck, turned the key, still no, it wouldn't start. And I began to sense this was not a normal thing, it was something wrong. And as I looked a little more carefully on the old 96 Ford F-150 straight six motor that's in there, I noticed that there was two piles of poop, uh, feces, for those of you who understand poop, uh, on the engine. And I was like, huh, that shouldn't be there, you know. And I realized as I kind of picked through it a little bit that that was uh, raccoon feces. And then I looked around and I realized that the, many of the wires had been gnawed on by my little furry friends. So uh, that'll make you have a bad day right there, you know. And then uh, so I... You know, I, I, I just asked God, God, you got to show me what's wrong, you know. I see the teeth marks. I know that's not right, but you got to show me. So God, over a little bit of time, showed me which wire was bad, and I, I hooked the wire up, and I went inside there, and I turned it, and it started. I mean, I'm not a mechanic, so when I did that, it started. And when it started, I got out of the truck, and I did a little dance out in the driveway like this, put my hands in the air and thank God, because I had prayed, thank God for, for the wisdom of, of being able to figure out which wire was the wire that go because it, it didn't even look like it went there. I still have a wire that's not attached to something. <laughs> I'm not sure what that is. I just put that away over there off to the side where it wouldn't get tangled up in any important stuff. But uh, the, so the idea is that that stuff happens in our life. Getting victory over it is, it, there's character being developed on the inside of you. If, if we don't learn that, then we're, gonna, we're always just going to think that getting victory is just the, the, the end of the thing. But what's happening is you're being developed on the inside. You're being made stronger, right? That which does not kill us makes us stronger, said Nietzsche, right? Before he killed himself. Anyway, so, so the issue here is that we, in our the reality of our life, we, are, we live out this, this same kind of thing that Jesus is going through. He goes in full of the Holy Spirit. He's tempted, uh, and he's, 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 he's not tempted until after he's been fasting for 40 days. I have never fasted for 40 days, but I know a guy who has fasted for 40 days. And he told me that the end of the 40-day period that you're actually stronger than you were in the middle of the 40-day period because at the end of the 40 days, you know that you've accomplished the task. You know that you're, at, in the, in the, you know, you're, you're stronger. Your body's already used to not eating. It's already shut down. It's not, it's not craving. You know, when you first, some of you dieters know this, that you first, you know, you, you first um, go, go into a diet you just want to eat everything, right? And you just have one salad, and then you say, I'm going to die, right? And then, but then after the second salad, and after the third salad, and then a piece of fish, and all the little things, then after a while, your body gets used to it, gets kind of, your, your stomach shrinks, that's what they tell you, right? Well, just, 
Jesus' stomach had already shrunk down to its most minuscule point. He's at the point, actually, where his body is now devouring itself because he's been, it's been, he's been it's eating his own muscle because 40 days without food. So, but, but Jesus is not feeling the hunger pangs until the very end of it. It's not till the very end of that that the enemy comes in. Can you imagine going into a test for 40 days and, uh, and then in that 40-day period to have the enemy just come and bombard you uh, at the very end of it. It says, the, this is the duh verse of the Bible. He fasted for 40 days, and at the end, he was hungry. Now we think, well, that's duh. He hasn't eaten in 40 days. But not, the reality of that is that he doesn't really want to eat until his body is devouring itself. Now he suddenly wants to eat, and the enemy comes in and gives this softball pitch of a temptation right over the center of the plate. He, and he says, you have... Holy Spirit, Son of God, powers. Turn all those stones into loaves of bread. Now look out in that desert out there. I see lots of loaves of bread out there. You've got bread for days right there. Right? And Jesus is tempted by this for a lot of reasons. People like free bread. Right? In the verse we read during our uh, communion time, Jesus is rebuking people who are saying to him, listen, you're he says to them, listen, you're following me because, not because you saw miracles and you believe in the supernatural. You're following me because you got free bread from me. Later on in that chapter, it says that Jesus had to leave and sneak away because they were going, he, he feared that they were going to make him king by force simply because he gave away free bread. Free bread will always get somebody a vote, right? <clears throat> right? People vote for free stuff. We like free stuff, right? The, the, listen, everybody knows it. All the grocery stores know it. They'll put free on stuff, and they know that you're, you're, you're drawn to that. You want free stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. So now Jesus is, is uh, in, the, in the, the temptation, and he's being given this opportunity to create bread. Now, he could use that bread to win followers for himself, you know, it's important to make friends and, and, and have, have people follow you. So Jesus could use that bread for that. Jesus could, also he could take that, uh, that power, that bread, and he could use it to feed his own flesh. I think this is really the temptation. He's hungry, and so make bread, and you can use the, the bread to feed your own flesh. To feed your own flesh. You don't have any fleshly appetites, do you, as Christians? God, God took that away when you first walked the altar. Have no, you know, yeah, instant, instantaneous deliverance. Raise your hand if you're instantaneously delivered from all human, physical, uh, fleshly appetites. Yeah, none of us. So the, mo the most powerful uh, human appetite is hunger, especially after a 40-day fast. <laughs> you know, so Jesus, not being at a point of weakness, but still at a point where this is the most basic, functional thing. Jesus is saying no to that. Why does Jesus say no to that? Jesus says no to that temptation. Because Jesus, who would know? It's just him and the devil out in the, out in the wilderness. Jesus could just make a couple loaves of bread. Who's going to know? He could sneak it under his cloak, whatever. And then, uh, and then he, could, he could enjoy his bread. No one would know. 
But the father would know, and the father didn't send him out there to make and eat bread. He sent him out there to go through this process. It was the purpose of the Spirit to send him in. We don't like to think about this, but sometimes when we're going through life and we get ourselves in a rough patch, God has you right where he wants you. Sometimes when your, your checkbook doesn't balance, God likes to get you right there. Sometimes when you have difficulty in your life, God likes to get you right there. Sometimes when you're going through difficult times in your marriage, God likes to uh, put the squeeze on you right there because he wants you to know his heart. We prayed today, God, help us to develop a passion for your name. You know, it's possible to be in church only for the things that are in this life. You can be in church and only be interested in the things that Jesus can do for you in this life. We don't, we don't think about that, but that's really, we, a lot of times, that's why people follow Jesus, because he can bless me in this life. He can give me a good job, because he's Jehovah Jireh. He can heal my body. That's a this life thing. He can answer my prayers. Most of those are this life. In fact, if you listen to our prayer requests, most of our prayer requests are this life stuff. But this life is a small fraction of eternity. We need to get a deeper perspective. Jesus in the wilderness is learning something more than bread. Bread is about the flesh. And Jesus recognizes there's something much deeper. In fact, he will tell his disciples later in John chapter 6 that we should not work for this bread that is on this earthly plane, but we should rather work for eternal things, this eternal food that comes to supply this eternal need on the inside of us. We all have this big this spirit man that's starving. In fact, the Lord kind of revealed to me that if, if we could see ourselves in the spirit, it would look a lot like Auschwitz. As if we've been starving our spirit man, and he's just nothing but skin and bones. On the outside, we might be fat and happy, but on the inside, in our spirit man, we might be Auschwitz on the inside of our, of our hearts. And so, as, as that, and that comes simply because we don't recognize that we need the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus told us when he said, I am the bread of life, he said that we should, we should be looking for the bread of life. Jesus himself in the wilderness, the bread of life, is seeking the bread of life. I think that's kind of cool. So Jesus has all authority to be able to say to you, listen, I've, I've done it. I've gone through this difficulty. I've, been, I've gone through this mess, and I want to tell you, even when you're starving, even when you're at 40 days and you haven't eaten, even in that moment in time, you need the Word of God. You've got to have the Word of God in your life. You've got to have the Word coming in. It can come through various songs and prophecies and, and books and sermons. It can come from various ways. But you've got to get the Word of God on the inside of you. Unless you have the Word of God on the inside of you, then when things go, go wrong, you won't have anything to draw on. You won't have any, anything to... See, Jesus, when he walks in there, he's powerful because he's already got the Word in his heart. So when the enemy comes after him, immediately Jesus doesn't go, hang on a second, I know it's back here somewhere. Going, but let me find Deuteronomy chapter 8. No, Jesus immediately reaches inside and says, man does not live by, the, by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when Jesus says that, he vanquishes the enemy. His response is to say, my priorities are straight spiritually. 
Often this is what temptation is all about, to try to figure out, are your priorities straight? You say, well, I'm in church on Sunday morning. Yeah, that may mean for a few moments that your, your priorities are straight. But let me tell you this, there's more to life than Sunday morning. Somebody say amen to that. We all look good on Sunday morning. Oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. We all like that. We're all good. But are you hallelujah praising the Lord when the truck doesn't start? Are you hallelujah praising the Lord when the checkbook doesn't balance? Are you hallelujah praising the Lord when things are going awry in your business or your marriage or your family? Is that when, because you have to be able to get yourself to the point where you're so full of the word of God that you begin to respond out of the word of God towards those things that are happening in your life. When you can respond out of that, then the power of the spirit will move through you and you can have victory over those things and then you can accomplish not just the victory, but the deep spiritual thing that God's trying to do on the inside of you. We've got to get down to a place that makes a real change. In the first service this morning, one of the sisters got up and shared a dream where she was digging in the dirt in a garden type thing, and as she was digging in the dirt, she found jewelry, treasure that was hers. And as she dug that out, she said, I forgot I even had this. And that just spoke to me so much. And she shared that dream because that's what this is all about. We go back to the Word because so many times we've forgotten the things that God has already spoken to us. Right? And we have buried treasure in our life, but we don't even know what it is. We've forgotten all about it. How many times have you gone across a passage of Scripture that you've read dozens of times, and once again you go, oh yeah, I remember when God spoke that to me in a very difficult point point or, or, or moment in my life. And as God's doing that, he's changing our lives. You see, Jesus goes into the wilderness full of the Spirit. We go into our life full of the Spirit. We go in into our life led by God into that place. And the enemy sees that as an opportunity. And he comes, this is it's interesting how the enemy works. He comes to Jesus, hits him with a couple temptations, and he backs off and he lets him coast for a little while. Says, says, like Arnold, he says, I'll be back. <laughs> At an opportune time, that's what the scripture says. He'll be back, he's coming back. The enemy is always coming back. You should never go, whoo, got out of that one. What is God working on the inside of your heart? He has to, you've got to be, get the word of God on the inside of you. So once you have that word on the inside of you, then you can begin to see things different. You can begin to talk about things differently. You can be respond more in a word-oriented fashion. You begin to see things the way they really are happening. You'll be able to see things in the spirit realm rather than just in the carnal realm, this fleshly realm that we see. We, we, we deal with this thin surface-like reality when, reality when when real reality is down below that. The bread of life, the Word of God that comes into our life, that's where real life comes from. Amen. We were talking this morning before the service, the difference between happiness and joy. Joy comes from something deep on the inside. It's a work of the Spirit that happens way down in here. Happiness comes and goes. I wasn't happy when the, when the truck didn't start. And then I was happy when the truck did start. It's amazing what little things can make you happy. Right? And you know what? That someday again, hopefully not in the near future, that truck won't start. But I know that truck, sometimes it starts, and sometimes it's, it doesn't start. You know, I, I used to name my vehicles. We used to have a church van here, and I called her May, because she may start, she may not. You know, so, uh, so I could name that truck May, too, because she may start. May, but, but you can't have your whole life uh, 
based upon the ups and downs of the things that are happening in the thin, fleshly surface of your life. You've got to have roots way down. And when you've got roots way down, those are lessons that are so deep on the inside of your spirit, man, that none of this stuff in the top can really rock your world because you've got this rootedness way down deep. I planted these trees down at the farm a couple years ago, maybe six years ago. And really, they didn't do anything for a long time. They were little black walnut trees. Now, a black walnut tree could be worth as much as $10,000. So really, in 30 years, I'll be rich. <laughs> 30 years, I'll be 90. But in 30 years, I'll be rich, you know. So um, I planted these trees, and really, nothing happened. It just sat there, and they got covered up with weeds, and, you know, I just kind of ignored them for a while. And then... Uh, and then they started growing. They're, they're taller than me now. But as, as they started to grow, I thought, well, I'm going to move them. So I, I called a guy and said, you know, how do I move this? And he said, oh, you can't move that. That's a black walnut. Black walnut sends a taproot way, 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 way down deep. That's the first thing that happens when you plant it. It plants deep first. And then it goes up. By the time you get excited about what's coming up on top, it's so deep down there that you'll kill it if you try to cut that taproot off. And I think there's some things in the spirit that are like that. Some seed of the word goes into our life. And we don't see the bloom, the blossom, the flowers, the, the trees. We don't see the strength that comes out of it. But it's working a root that's down deep in our spirit and it brings us so much strength on the inside of us. And we have the word of God working on the inside of us to the extent that we, don't, we can't even explain it. Later on, someone will say, man, I see, perceive you're a leader in the church. I perceive you're a man of God. I perceive you've got a ministry on your life. Other people will notice the things that are, that are above ground. But long before that happens, you've got to accept the word of God into your soul. James chapter 1, verse 21 says, with meekness, humbly accept the word of God into your soul. Let it be implanted in your soul, that word that is able to save you. In other words, salvation comes from the reception of this word implanted in our heart. When that word is implanted in our heart, it means there's an expectation that word, that word is going to grow on the inside of us. And that, and that will bear fruit in the future. But the expectation is that that word will grow on the inside of us. And that, the purpose of that growing word that's on the inside of us brings us salvation. And then the very next line says in James... Chapter 1, 21, 22, it says, Do not be hearers only of the Word of God, but be doers of the Word of God. In other words, it's not enough to have the seed of the Word down in your heart, but you have to be ready to have the action to do it. You have to be willing to follow up with the Word in your heart. You've got to know. You've got to know that the words come on the inside. Jesus is saying no to the things, the fleshly uh, Bread, because he knows there's something deeper. God works a deeper thing. Can you say no to the immediate deliverance? You know, we're so, we're addicted to miracles. We want to see miracles. But we're not really seeking after the God of the miracles. We're just looking for a miracle. The Bible tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapters 1 and 2 that that's how the Antichrist is going to deceive the elect. They're going to be looking after miracles. But God says, I don't want you to, to seek my hand. I want you to seek my face. 
His hand can do a miracle, but his face, the light of his face shines grace upon your life. Grace that grows deep in the inside of you. This is something that we hunger for on the inside. We look, we long to be deep on the inside of our heart. This is God's purpose. This is what God's doing to you when you're in the wilderness. You may just see rocks and stubble, heat, arid temperatures. But God is doing something. Today, if you're in a dry and thirsty place, if you're separated from God, if you don't even remember the things that are buried out there that you need to rediscover, if you don't even know the things that you've lost, God wants to speak to you today. He says, go back to the Word. As you read the Word, you'll rediscover all that you lost. Every summer, I try to go through getting saved all over again. I don't really get saved all over again. I'm saved, you know. But I go back and try to go back to the very beginning. Remember Mark one time told me when he was, one day he tried to teach me how to drum and it all sounded like banging on stuff, so I quit. But he told me it's all about the rudiments, the fundamentals, doing the rudimentary things. Spiritual life is like that. Use your summer to go back to the very beginning, to the rudimentary things. What's the first thing that you did when you heard and believed the gospel? Well, for me, I, I was so in love with God. Go back, fall in love with the Savior again. This Jesus. And read his word. Get back into his word. Go back and do the fundamentals, the very fundamental things. And as you go back, that's how you become great. You go back and master the fundamentals. We hope that the bears, as they begin training camp, will master the fundamentals. Because I can't eat enough beef sandwiches to mask my pain of watching another Bears team like last year's. The issue for us is, what does God feel when he's watching his team when we haven't mastered the fundamentals? When we're emaciated and weak because we don't have the word in our spirit. God wants us to grow. He has something bigger, even in the negative, even in the, the things that seem so devoid of any meaning. God has something even in those things to develop deep down in your spirit, man. There's a reason why the Scripture says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living water. There's something deep on the inside of the inner man that where the Spirit of God works, deep down on the inside of you. You know that you know that you know that you need the Word of God on the inside of your heart. Will you bow your head with me? Let's pray this morning. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.